Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 169, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. This week, USA Today analysis says Florida schools did open in mass, but a surge in COVID-19 cases did not follow, at least not yet. Stay with us. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, recently, President Trump called for a more patriotic education in K-12 schools. But what exactly does that mean? Mr. Beat, our guest, helps us unpack it all. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here. Today is September 28th, 2020, and I'm joined by friend, principal, and co-host, Christina Pollard. Christina, how are things going for you this week? It's a Monday. Oh, it's a good start. It's a good start. (laughs) (laughs) You are always so optimistic. I love that. Um, You know, we've been kind of, as we always have been doing week after week here on the show since school started back up, been tracking uh, the cases in the state of Mississippi and kind of how we're doing since we're kind of ahead of the curve compared to much of the rest of the country. Um, I guess, are we in week six of being back in school and we have five weeks of data? Is that that about right? We are in week six. And, you know, I have just learned that we we can become exactly what we think. So I channel my thoughts to stay in that positive lane as much as possible. Being six weeks into school and looking at those updated numbers, um, optimism is the best thing for us. Well, and so I'll throw out the numbers and we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, the students uh, for the the latest week of data, um, it's been pretty much in line. We had 244 new cases from students and 138 uh, new cases uh, with teachers over the latest week of data. And as I talked about last week, um, on average, we're seeing 128 new cases of teachers every week and then students about 287 um, a week. So we were down a little bit on the student side, up a little bit on the teacher side. Um, But either way that you look at it, I would not say, uh, this this is what I thought. I thought five, six weeks ago when we were sending our kids back to school, I was sending my children back to school. I thought, I'm still going to lay low for another four to six weeks because I'm afraid that we're going to see a huge spike in cases from all of these people having to co-mingle. And I wouldn't say that we've necessarily seen a spike. We've seen continued cases, but we haven't seen a spike. Would you agree with that? I agree. I think really what we're looking at is maybe residual from Labor Day weekend. That's the only time during the month of September I think we would have seen any type of um, increase. People were, you know, a little more interested in getting tested because of their um, vacation activities. But no, I wouldn't call it a spike. Yeah, well, exactly. And I feel like things are are pretty pretty level. And and so I, I guess where I was nervous about going back, sending my kids back to school, um, some of those fears have subsided for me personally. Well, yeah, uh, some of the fears, um, I think more so for me, it was just about logistics and how school districts were going to handle um, their outbreaks and prevent outbreaks. But have you heard about many of the universities are considering going full um, virtual after the Thanksgiving holidays because they are predicting 
when we take that time off to be with our families that we're going to socialize um, in a great way. I, I have heard that. And I've heard that's kind of always been their plans. And you're also kind of teeing up a story that was in um, USA Today uh, about a day ago. And they did some analysis to see uh, specifically over in the state of Florida, um, where they started early like we did for K through 12 school. And their analysis basically says that, you know, after Florida reopened schools in mass, um, they didn't really see a surge in cases with K through 12. However, their analysis did find that um, counties that are seeing surges in the state, it's usually due to college aged adults. So I think, you know, and I know because I have a 20 year old and I have a 15 year old, the 20 year olds living a different life, uh, maybe a more risky life than the 15 year old. And it's hard to keep those college students apart. Um, and so I think while K through 12 has kind of, I don't want to say proven, but shown so far to, to be able to maintain reasonable numbers, we've seen lots of spikes at the universities. I think what you were saying is probably right that uh, we may not send kids back to school right after Thanksgiving if they can somehow at least compress the majority of the semester before Thanksgiving. Uh, I think that's probably a smart decision. I think it is a smart decision, but then I also wonder how that's going to impact um K-12 families. So you're concerned that you're going to be dropping in a college student inside of a K-12 household? Is that what you're saying? Yes. That's one way to look at it. Yes. And then if they are going to stay home the remainder of that time, then you have to be concerned about them as the K-12 students are going back and forth to the school site. Yeah, no. And that is something I had not thought of. And, and you're probably absolutely right. You know, I guess if you have a, an older college student who maybe lives on the economy and lives in a house and they don't have to vacate a dorm, um, you can still probably avoid each other a little bit. But you're right. We mm-hmm. may see. I mean, look, when, when I see my college age child, I... I, I do worry. I still kind of keep a distance from him. You know, I'm not, I'm not really going up and hugging yet right. and stuff like that. And cause I just know that he, he, like I said, lives a different life. Um, I know some people who, um, have, um, ties to local, um, nightclubs, bars here in town. And like in our community, they are allowed to be open till midnight and they're doing a lot of business. And I can't imagine that there's a bunch of kids wearing masks inside these places. I just don't think that's happening. They're not. (laughs) They're not. I mean, you can see that just from looking, you know, at different things online, whether it's on social media or even within um, the news, and you can't force them to. I mean, just this morning, I was listening to local news, and we're waiting to hear if our governor is going to remove the mask mandate. Yeah. And I, my hope is no, I'm okay with it. I'm fine living in this world that we're living in right now until we get a vaccine. And I've, I've, I don't want to say quite become quite comfortable, but I guess, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot more used to it, but I feel like it takes a joint effort. I feel like if I'm wearing a mask and you're not, I may be helping you, but you're not helping me. And so I just would like to see that continue until, you know, let's give it a few more months and see what kind of comes out in terms of a vaccine. Did you catch, I think it was about a week, week and a half ago, um, President Trump announced his Patriotic Education Commission. Um, did you see this? Yes, I did. And and I'm going to, all right, I'll, I'll say this. We are about to take a deep dive into this with our guest. Um, we have a gentleman who we had on the show two years ago. Um, he has a huge YouTube following. He's a history uh, teacher. He has over like 200,000 subscribers. Uh, wow. And uh, But he's a history teacher out of the Midwest. And uh-huh. he's going to kind of talk to us about what the president was proposing, uh, which to me, I guess, kind of, it was a, what he, they called a pro-American uh, curriculum. But uh, it also kind of seemed to, to walk along the line of 
I would call it whitewashing some of things that have actually That's happened exactly in history. exactly what crossed my mind as you were speaking. Yeah. So um, if you're up for that, if you're interested in, in, you know, hearing our discussion on that, you're definitely going to want to stay tuned. It's going to be a great discussion that we have of just kind of A saying, deep discussion. Yeah, deep discussion <laughs> as to where we should head with our history lessons uh, with our students. So are you ready for today's Bright Idea? Yes, I'm always ready for it. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment has had his YouTube videos viewed almost 45 million times. Matt Beat, known as Mr. Beat, to his 244,000 subscribers, uses his YouTube channel to make history and geography more engaging, and he still teaches high school social studies over in Kansas. Mr. Beat, welcome back to Class Dismissed. Thanks for having me, Nick. Uh, I say welcome back. We had you about two years ago on the show, and we weren't so much talking about history and all the things that you do with that on your YouTube channel as much as we were talking about you know, a teacher creating a successful YouTube channel, which you clearly have had a, a ton of success doing that. I mean, how has that changed your life at all? Yeah, it, uh, quite a bit. I mean, it's weird because those first videos were just more curriculum based and more geared towards teachers and students. And now I find I, I have just so many uh, people that just seek out my videos just because they're curious. They want to learn for fun and they I don't know. It's really been a big shift in the last couple of years. So it's it's cool, though, because so many people want to learn social studies. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and I actually invited you back on to um, help me unpack something. And it, news changes so quickly, especially, uh, let's just be honest, with our current president. It's like, you know, what seems like a big deal two weeks ago and then two weeks go by and there's a hundred other big deals. But uh, I think it was about two weeks ago where uh, President Trump um, had a big speech. Um, he made a, a pretty big deal about it. And he was talking about kind of, I don't know about changing education, but at least his vision of education and, and specific to history. And he created or is creating a patriotic education commission. I, I'm assuming that you've kept up with all of this, right? Yeah, yeah. I listened to some of the speech. I was actually driving around. I was able to listen to some of it live. And um, I don't know, I guess I'm, I'm going to try not to sound partisan here, but I was kind of surprised. I don't know. I I, I always thought some of the things that he was was knocking were considered globally great things. Uh, for example, uh, they were kind of really knocking the the New York Times ongoing 1619 project and and basically saying that's not the direction we need to go. And they they believe in more of what they are calling the 1776 Commission, which I guess just kind of focuses on American patriotism. And that's being very vague when I say that. What What was your take when you started hearing some of this? I was disturbed by it. Yeah, I, you know, if you look at most of public education history, which goes, it goes back to, you know, Horace Mann and uh, the really antebellum United States, like 1840s, you start to finally see public schools and all this. And from the very beginning, it was patriotic. I mean, or more, a better word actually is nationalistic. Um, it was always geared towards like, um, we focus more on the positive things that the United States has done throughout history. And we focus on, uh, we, or we just ignore the, you know, the trail of tears. Let's just pretend like that didn't happen or mm -hmm. <laughs> the internment of Japanese Americans. And so I, I, I think back when I was in high school in the late 1990s and I, uh, you know, we had a textbook and this textbook is the same textbook that 
millions of students around the country had because there's really just two states that kind of control the textbook or they used to control the textbooks at that time. And that was California and Texas. Mm -hmm. And you look in the book and it's like, it's just mostly uh, a whitewashing of the history. It's uh, if they do mention anything negative, it's just a, a brief, you know, like I, for example, a great example is something that I never learned about until I was well out of high school was uh, the Philippine American war. And that is something uh, that is highly disturbing that, uh, you know, you think that I would have learned about it because I learned about the Spanish American war, but the Philippine American right. war, what? Like it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I will admit, and I'm going to assume that at least half of our listeners don't know either. Tell yeah. Us so that, see that I, that's why I bring up the example so this was a war that was a continuation of the Spanish-American War, and it was purely a war of imperialism that you can't sugarcoat it. It was a war of imperialism where we put Filipinos into concentration camps. And this is barely even mentioned in AP textbooks, even to this day. And so, yeah, when I hear the president say, oh, well, I have a quote up here that I pulled up. He says that... Uh, Patriotic moms and dads are going to demand that their children are no longer fed hateful lies about this country. I'm a little confused at what he's talking about because I'm in the I've been in the classroom now for this is my twelfth year teaching and I most of what we still teach is just all of the uh, the positive things that uh, the United States has contributed, you know, to the world. <laughs> so I did I just I I was a bit flabbergasted, but we I think we both know what's really what really sparked all this right i mean i, I would argue an election uh, i mean this is red meat and oh. i guess i would i would say that uh you know this th i guess the federal government really can't set curriculum um yeah but i'll let you go on yeah that's that's one thing we could kind of have a side kind of go off on, on a tangent about that but really uh the thing that sparked all of this was the 1619 project so the you know the new york times initiative to uh have a curriculum that was more centered on African-American uh, history, what, what kind of frame it around that beginning with the year 1619, which was the first year that African slaves were brought over to uh, the British colonies. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that, you know, of course, the 1619 project has flaws and historians have criticized parts of it and they've had to make changes. And it's, it's definitely something that is uh, more ideologically driven and yes, they have an agenda, but uh, I think that they're kind of missing the point. And the point is, is that we've only really had one version of American history uh, for a long time. And it's, it's good to have different uh, points of view, <laughs> you right. know? And I think, that, and so what you're seeing now is I think mostly just reactionary. It's uh, it's, the president knows his base and his base is definitely upset about the 1619 project. And I think that's, it's mainly just to appease that group of people that is reacting to this. I was actually reading, um, in the national review, which is known as a conservative, uh, I guess you call it a blog or, or news site. And it says, quote, this is from the editors. It is wrong to fill the heads of children with falsehoods or to subject them to outside the mainstream theories until they are old enough to learn to evaluate them critically. It is also right and important to commemorate what makes this nation great and special. And I guess when I read that part, I guess their argument is saying before 
I don't know when you want to say you start critically thinking, you probably have a much better answer than that. But they're saying don't teach the younger kids about, I don't like you said, what we did to Native Americans or or Japanese Americans or slaves um, early on. Um, what say you to that? I just think there's a misunderstanding. Um, you know, if parents were to go into classrooms and uh, of, you know, a typical American history classroom in the United States. Does, I mean, and every state's different. The people forget that every single state has different uh, content that they focus on that they want us to teach. Um, but they would find that it's, uh, the students are not being taught to hate the United States. <laughs> like they're, um, and actually, if you look up the definition of the word indoctrination, uh, I'll just, I have it in front of me because I, it came up when I discussed this the other day, but the definition of indoctrination is the process of teaching a person or group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. That last word is key. The whole push lately, especially the last uh, 10 years with common core standards is to push critical thinking to get, uh, you know, students actually not just believing everything that they are told and getting different perspectives and anal analyzing sources, going to primary sources more instead of just relying on secondary sources, um, de developing historical skills, skills like contextualization and being able to compare and contrast and, and prioritize. And it's, it's like, uh, in fact, the content has become secondary in recent years, which is kind of the irony of all this is like, most history teachers now, we focus so much on skill building that we, that's why we don't even get to a lot of the stuff that we, and, and I can understand the counter argument that's going to come up to this. And I'm sorry if I'm rambling, I do have a lot to say about this. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Please. Uh, well, the, the counter argument is, well, you know, this is a cap, a captive audience. These kids are in the classroom. And if you do have uh, autonomy as a teacher of what content the kids get exposed to, which they do to a certain degree, I, I'll give them that argument, um, that you can focus on more of the bad stuff, you know? And, um, but the thing is, there, there, is no, there is no incentive for a high school social studies teacher to, to teach a kid to hate our own country. Like, to become a social studies teacher to begin with, you have to love your country. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. that's the big reason why I became a... Uh, an American history teacher is I, I do love my country. I love our constitution. And I think that we get excited about the good stuff and that we kind of just like, okay, but we have to acknowledge that we've made mistakes as well. Yeah. I think a rational person would agree with you there. And, and like you said, this is critical thinking and this is what uh, is probably happening in a lot of classrooms. Um, I have been out of the high school classroom for over 20 years, but I um, mean, tell me like what, what are your students, how do they react when you, you bring up what some might look at as a, maybe a scar in, in the U S's choices they've made over the past several hundred years, um, say like how we treated native Americans, for example. I mean, how do the students react? Are they, are they not patriots once they hear that? Or are they <laughs> thinking critically about it? By the time I get them, usually like I, I mostly teach, uh, juniors. Um, but I also have a lot of sophomores, um, they aren't really too surprised anymore because they learned a lot of that in middle school or maybe even earlier. Um, and so I, I think a lot of it is just, but see, we, we like, for example, uh, my AP U S history kids, we just had a Socratic seminar about Columbus and 
uh, it was extremely um, just the the discussion was so rich and they they it wasn't just like oh Columbus was this horrible person and blah 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 no they thought critically about it they actually saw nuance which is what you want for kids to see you want to see them to actually understand the complexities of uh, him as a person and not just the and the most the thing that I took away the most out of that Socratic seminar was the fact that they were like uh, they realized that, well, Columbus is just one person. This could have been anybody. This literally could have been anyone else. And it kind of shows you that we've another flaw of the way we've taught history is we focus so much on individuals like and glorify individuals or we villainize other individuals. And some rightly deserve that. Like, <laughs> I think we can easily say there's a few that we like, yeah, let's, uh, but it, you know, it's there. More often than not, there is nuance and we need to, uh, there's not, just not a simple answer just to like sum up, you know, a huge chunk of history. They, they, yeah, they, we shouldn't insult our kids either. Like, you know, <laughs> to assume that they're going to be indoctrinated is actually quite insulting to these, these students who I think are quite possibly the smartest generation we've ever seen. What makes you say that? You've been teaching for over a decade. What, what why now? Well, they just had access to information at such a young age. I mean, I look at my daughters who are still in elementary school and they, uh, anything, anytime they want to know anything, they instantly get the answer. Whereas before we had to look it up in a library or, <laughs> and, uh, so that, and the, the fact that, um, by the time they do get to, um, you know, the stage in life where they, they are starting to critically think, um, I think they've already, it's like been there, done that, you know, they, they don't fall for things like my, uh, I'm already, you know, these, the students I have now are, I guess, considered generation Z, if, if that's what they're calling it. Uh, yeah. And there's something different about them. I, I can't really put my finger on it, but they, they definitely just don't fall for things that previous students <laughs> fell for. Like they're not as easy to like, um, persuade, you know, you really have to like, but then it does, that doesn't mean like they're not, um, you know, passionate and uh, compassionate or empathetic. In fact, they have probably more empathy. They, you know, I have, it doesn't mean like this is the generation to save us because we still have problems. We still have social media. And then because everything's so easy is self-control has gone out the window. And, but yeah, no, it's, they, they've just been exposed to stuff so much earlier than older generations. They have that huge advantage. I think about what I've learned about our country. I mean, and I am a, a lover of America, um, very patriotic, but I also am aware of some of the things that the country's done in the past. And I guess I've never looked at it as, you know, somebody trying to make me hate the country as much as just trying to have an understanding of mistakes that have been made in the past. So we don't repeat those mistakes. I mean, that's kind of the the whole point of teaching history, right? Yeah. And I mean, in 50 years, they're going to look back on us living during this time and they're going <laughs> to, wow, we're, we're doing some horrible things now. We don't even realize it. And so that's the thing too, is like, it is, uh, it's always a work in progress. And I think, um, you know, our students understand that they, that it's, <laughs> we're, we're just trying to get better. It doesn't mean that we, we're going to, 
tear down every single statue. Cause I think that's another part of this too, is that whole thing with the, some of the right. statues being torn down. I don't know if you're going to bring that up or not, but <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So you've got, you know, what they, they often you hear called as cancel culture. And you were talking about Columbus and statues like that getting torn down. And I've heard, uh, I think maybe uh, Ulysses S. Grant is, you know, <laughs> some, some of these folks who, you know, you could make an argument either way for, I mean, kind of where do you fall on that? What's your, what's your take on that type of outrage? Oh, well, you know, my views have changed over the last few years. Honestly, I used to be more on the side of, you know, preserve history. I know these statues are, um, some of them did some horrible things, but we want to remember them anyway. And but whereas now I'm just like, well, I think we can have a balance. I think we can actually tear down these statues and put them in museums, you know, and actually still, uh, at least remember, and then also add stuff too to say, hey, these statues were put up in the 1920s actually as a way to uh, demonstrate white supremacy, for example, and kind of knowing why the statues were put up is a huge thing that needs to be addressed. And but yeah, the indiscriminate uh, tearing down of <laughs> statues, like when they t- when they tore down Ulysses Grant, I think I'm pretty sure those kids they didn't even know who that really was. <laughs> that may <laughs> like, be true. That was embarrassing for a history teacher like <laughs> just kind of just kind of shake my head like oh <laughs> so so you said you've had a discussion with other history teachers i guess um pretty recently since at least the president even announced his um commission um what what's kind of the tone amongst educators like yourself well we do understand like the uh, criticisms of the 1619 project and of course the 1776 uh project that's a reaction to that i mean the thing is uh give them as many perspectives as possible the more the merrier uh and then let them use the information to draw their own conclusions and you know teach them how to think not what to think is what we pretty much all agree on and i think again it comes back to the skills i want to speak to both sides, because I know we, we have been talking about something that is somewhat partisan. I mean, what would you say to those that that say, you know, no, this patriotic type education, we need more of this? I mean, what's kind of, uh, do, do you think there's some truth there at all? Well, we need citizenship education. That's probably how I would put it. We need to teach them how to be good citizens and realize that we're all in this together. You uh, you can't, I mean, that's the whole point of social studies. If it was, if it was just one person, we wouldn't teach social studies. Uh, so I think that's fine. Cause you know, the, the perfect example is the masks, you know, like that's, uh, your civic duty, I think. And, and it shouldn't be political or partisan. It's just been forced to be for some strange reason, which I didn't ever, I couldn't have predicted that would be a, you know, if you were to ask me a few years ago that wearing a mask would be a political issue, <laughs> I would be like, what? Uh, and so, yeah, in terms of that word patriotism, I, I kind of gets thrown around a lot, but I think patriotism, you know, you can't force that onto someone. I think that just comes when they, they fall in love with their country. Uh, I, I don't think anybody, any five-year-old entering kindergarten is just going to be like, oh, I love America so much. No, they're going to be taught about what we stand for, our values, and and then that will come. It's just like how typically human beings don't just fall in love with each other. You know, they because that's what patriotism is it's just love of country and if you're te- if you're out there listening right now as a history teacher i'm pretty sure you're patriotic cuz you have to really love your country to, to want to teach <laughs> american history 
Well, and so, and so like, what's your tip to other teachers out there when they start to step into these, um, what maybe shouldn't be controversial topics, but have become controversial topics? Like, how do you respond to, to parents? That's a really good question. Um, I think the main thing is to be appreciative that they're engaged with what their students are learning, because that's actually really refreshing to, because so, so many parents don't really pay attention. Uh, so I think uh, really just calling them, calling parents and explaining to them uh, what basically what I've just said is like, this is why we teach what we do. This is where it comes from. This is how I teach. And you're welcome to come to my class anytime you want, but really just uh, have an open relationship with them. If they are concerned, you know, if they think that, you know, that's what we're doing is (laughs) indoctrinating them. Which I still I still laugh at that. I'm sorry. It's just it's such an absurd idea that Yeah, and, and coming full circle, I guess, I mean, do you think Trump's patriotic education, um, do you think it'll actually turn out to be anything that would actually affect teachers on the front lines? No, I don't. I don't think it's gonna be much it's ultimately not gonna have much of an effect at all. Like it's you can't um uh, you can't fight the information age that we're living in. People will find out uh, <laughs> things like it's, it's really hard to, sh- I mean, I actually had a fairly sheltered life growing up myself. So, I mean, this is personal to me and I know that, you, you know, it's ultimately it's hard to just hide kids from information, you know? All right. Well, uh, Matt beat known as Mr. Beat on his uh, YouTube channel. If someone wants to keep up with you or just catch a video, I mean, wh- what's the best way to do that? Oh, just search Mr. Beat. Uh, and then what will pop up is Mr. Beast, but that's not me. That's a, <laughs> he's much cooler than me. That is, he's <laughs> yeah. He's like a top 10 YouTuber, yeah, yeah. I think. Right. So Mr. Leave out Beast. The S. <laughs> but not, but not to say that you're no slouch either. Again, 246,000 subscribers on YouTube, and you still teach uh, social studies uh, over in Kansas. Uh, kudos to all the great work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thanks for the kind words. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at classdismiss. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So please subscribe to the show. And we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes. On behalf of all the good people working at School Status and Christina, representing all those educators out there, thank you for listening. I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed. <laughs>